everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 490. Today we're going to take a look at Adventureland. This is a design from Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kiesling, and it is published by Haba. So Haba is mostly known for doing games targeted towards smaller children. Uh, so this is kind of a step away, and it's a little bit of a step away for Kramer and Kiesling. Uh, so it's not you know quite as heavy as you know some of their normal medium weight to heavy uh, Euro games. Uh, it's a very interesting game. It's a little bit abstract. Uh, players are sort of engaging in this sort of fantasy theme, going on kind of quests and moving down through this land into different cities possibly. The goals are going to change based on one of possible three setups that you can do in the game. So let's just jump into how the game works mechanically and then I'll tell you what I think of it. Okay, here you can see the game set up as if it would be for three players. Now the first thing you're gonna do in the game is you're gonna choose one of these three adventures. Now the rules for the game are, for the most part, the same. There are some slight rule changes in one of these, but uh, what these are gonna basically do is tell you how you're going to score the game. So you might score the game for occupying these different towns you can see on the board. You might score for gathering certain things like you've got these herbs here which might show up or gathering different groups of companions and here's a companion you can see this character here. So based on the scenario or the adventure that you pick that's how you're going to get your points but the movement and all the different turn structure and everything is going to be the exact same pretty much throughout all the game. So what you're going to do before you set up, he's actually going to draw eight cards off the top of this deck. And I've already done that. And you can see I've drawn these different locations here on the board. So you can see A, B, C, D, E, all the way up to K. And then we can go um, 1 through 10 down on this side. So this one says here D1. And you can see here's D and 1. So this is always going to be an herb. And the forest areas are always going to produce herbs. You're also going to have these mountain areas here. These are going to produce swords that you can use. Down here we've got H8. And you can see this actually produces a fog monster. Now anytime that you draw one of these, you're going to draw an additional card, even at setup. So I drew this during setup, so I drew an additional card. This is, you can see, the strength of the monster as well as probably the victory points there that you'll get if you defeat the monster. And the other type of thing that you might draw are these companions. You can see this is a J8, and so you're going to have these little silver meeples here that you might collect, and they might join up with your group to help you maybe even defeat these monsters. And the last type of card that I drew was this one here. This is some gold. Gold's always going to be in the river, and you can see this is K4. Now, every time you draw a gold card, this little water monster is going to move right to wherever it was there. So at the beginning of the game, we drew the first one, so it just moves right there. Now if I drew one later that was in, maybe in this spot here, this would be uh, H6. And I would put a gold counter there, and then this monster here would move down the river and land at this spot. So if you had one of your adventures and maybe you have some companions with you, if it moves through you, it's going to immediately kill uh, everybody there and they're going to be removed off of the board. So you want to be kind of careful about going in and adventuring into the river uh, to gather gold. So after you've chosen your scenario and drawn your starting eight cards, the first player is going to go, they're going to draw two cards all the time on their turn. And here in this case we've got two golds, so we've got J5 and F9. 
So we're going to do, let's see, J5 was first, and then so he'll move there, kill anybody that he might have hit, and then we'll go to F9, which is down here, and he'll go down here and kill anybody he might hit. And so maybe on the next turn, uh, Billy draws an E1 and an E10. So again, E1's always going to be uh, here, and this is going to always be a mountain, which gives you a sword, and then E10 is way down here at the bottom, and that's going to be a companion. So you draw your two cards, and then you can move up to two of your meeples up here. So you can take and move one meeple uh, two directions. Now the direction always has to be down and east, so south and east. You can never move backwards west or up north. You're always going to move down and right. So I could take, if I was the yellow player, and move this particular yellow guy, I can shoot him all the way out here. Whoops, I grabbed the wrong one. I can shoot him all the way out here and then stop here and then grab this sword and I can take a peek at that and we can see this is just a plain old sword. Some other swords you might see will have a little bit of a bonus there and that might be worth points, it might be worth combat strength. Uh, so you have to look at your adventure and see how that actually may or may not be scored. And then now I moved him one direction, I can now move him down, let's say, and I could go down here like so and I would grab this sword. Or I could take one meeple, move it one direction, so maybe I would move this way like so, and then I could move another meeple downward, so I maybe would move this guy downward like so. And you just move as far as you can across the board, as far as you want, in either direction. So basically you move one meeple down and right, or right and down, or you move two different meeples down or right, and you just pick up whatever's there. Now you cannot ever stop where there's another meeple even of your own color, unless you're playing the second scenario. In that case, you can kind of form like a big group. But you can move through meeples. There's nothing stopping you or blocking you. You can move through and move to a spot as well. Now let's talk a little bit about companions and the monsters. So if I moved here, let's say this purple player, I picked up that companion, and then on the same turn I moved down, you're going to pick up and collect the companions. They're going to start moving with you as you pick them up. And then as you move down here, let's say we go one, two on a future turn, then we're going to zoom in here and we're going to do combat with this monster. So we know the monster has at 14 strength and we're going to get one strength for each meeple in our group. So one, two, three. And then we can play swords prior to combat. We can play up to three swords. So here you can see a one and a three. Now in combat, each sword is going to add a die plus whatever numbers on it. So let's say we tried this. So we have one, two, three, four, plus three is seven. So we've got seven, we need to get to 14, which means that we need another seven. So we'd be rolling three dice, because we do one for each sword. You can do a maximum of three swords. And so we're gonna say, let's just go for the two here. We're gonna roll that, and we're gonna get enough to defeat it. So we rolled an eight. But let's say we got a particularly bad roll. We got we rolled a four, which means we need three more. Well, at this point, we could spend any herbs and add that combat modifier to us. In this case, we've only got two, so we'd have to spend another herb to get to 14. And you'll discard any herbs and swords spent, and then you'll take this uh, monster here, and you'll get the points there at the end of the game. Some other scenarios might give you points for having the most monsters defeated and so on. So as I said, there's a variety of ways to score points. It's all gonna be based on the scenario. You might get points for monsters, you might get points for gold. You may or may not get points for collecting the herbs and swords themselves. You might get points for having kind of majority of your figures in the different cities. So you can see there's a large city down here. So in that particular scenario, which is scenario three, the larger the city, the more points you're gonna get. It's basically whoever has the most 
companions and pieces in here is going to get 14 points if it's a 14 size city and then the second place player gets half of that uh, and then uh, you also will count the companions that are with you so if i'm in here with the purple player and i've gathered up you know the three companions and myself these guys now belong to me so this actually counts as having four pieces in the city but you can see there's some other ones up here that sort of and you know they're sort of against the natural progression of going down to the right and the south you might want to leave some guys up here to you know just kind of hang out maybe try to steal the victory points there uh, the other way you might score is you might try to get a large group of companions in that case i kind of mentioned it earlier you will actually pick up you know other uh, of your like color and then build a bigger and bigger group and then whoever has the uh you, well you take your biggest group multiply that by three and then you get a whole bunch of points that way as well uh, but you can actually kind of mix and match this as well and you know take the scoring from one and take a little piece from another scenario and put them together if you really wanted okay so that is Adventureland. and what do i think of it well i would certainly skip the first adventure it's a little bit bland in terms of how you actually score points you just kind of move around and score points uh you can try to i guess sort of sandbag and sort of you know take your time moving uh through the you know the, trying to pick up all the different items and then fight the monsters but there's not really a lot going on i can see maybe that scenario being sort of more geared towards you know kids and just kind of playing and getting sort of used to the mechanics because it is kind of a different sort of abstract you kind of kind of learn a little bit about the pacing of the game and you know figure out okay well you know this stuff's going to pop up here so i want to kind of leave my guy in this area and maybe to pick up companions then i'll move into the foggy area and then i'll be able to you know fight some monsters better that way because if i get too far ahead of myself i won't have any companions or swords even to help me uh do that uh, so there's, you know, that kind of stuff is, it may be good for just kind of learning the basics to do the first scenario, but the other two scenarios are pretty interesting because it's kind of, like I said, in the walkthrough, they're kind of anti just moving through and grabbing all the stuff as best you can. It's more like, okay, well, I can leave some people up here and then some other guys will go over on this side and I'll try to control this city or grab the companions out of this city and, you know, build up a big group and then swing down through here and steal a bunch from the big city and, you know, act like I'm going for the city and then switch and go to the other city. Um, now the game ends, it's going to be a little bit random, so it's kind of like a push your luck kind of aspect too. Once you run out of the supply of companions and swords, uh, then that's going to trigger the end of the game. Everybody will get an equal number of turns um, but uh, that, then the supply is going to be different based on the number of players you'll take some out if you're playing with less players uh, so you can't just like you know plan it out exactly you've got to be uh, you know it, the, the randomness is kind of cool for it I think because you're not always going to have a whole bunch of herbs come out. You're not going to have a whole bunch of commanders come out. That could be all at the bottom of the deck. And so you've got to sort of, you know, take a risk. You're like, you know, I'm going to go down here. It doesn't feel like companions are going out, but maybe I'll leave some guys behind to pick up those companions, you know, later on. And I'll strike and try to get this, uh, you know, this gold or something in the, in the river. So, you know, it's a real kind of, I think, targeted towards family games and family gamers uh, more than anything. But it has some good, solid sort of, you know, decisions to make. It's not like a lightweight game. that just as throwaway or anything like that at all. Um, I have enjoyed it, and I do recommend, you know, definitely jumping beyond the first scenario from my 
taste because that didn't really even feel like hardly a game. But once you play with the other scenarios, there's a little bit of thought and, and sort of push your luck, like I said, in terms of what you're going to do on your turn and you know how fast is that end game going to start coming because the game really doesn't have very much kind of happening no matter what scenario you're playing and then you know maybe midway through the game there's like all kinds of stuff to do so you've got to kind of bide your time and let those first few rounds just kind of happen and happen quickly and not get real hung up because the board's just going to totally be changed you know by the midway of the game then you're going to have some real decisions of like okay do i grab this first because i know billy's going to get this one or you know jimmy over there is trying to get the other one so you know then that becomes more interesting once there's a lot of stuff on the board okay uh Take a look at it, thanks.